0: It sounds strange after nearly a year and a half to say that all three of us are back together, but after a few weeks, all three of us are here, and let me tell you, there's a certain one of our trio that really doesn't want to be here tonight, but we're going to touch on that in just a minute. We'll start with Teed, because it's oh so close until he leaves us to actually go to America. How are you, mate?
1: Good, thanks. How are you, boys?
0: Apart from me pointing the wrong way there because I'm forgetting how mirroring works. I'm going beautifully. Smithy, how are you?
2: (laughs) Uh, I've been better. I've been better. Mm -hmm. Let's just say that. Um, Wasn't a great week and this seems to be a theme under Matt Rule. So uh, I think the pain is going to continue.
0: Well, it might not just be... Uh, Matt Rule, but we will talk about it. But let's start with some positives. Well, <laughs> let me tell you, until we get to the game reviews, I've got nothing but positives. But let's start with some positives around the group. Uh, Ted, I'll start with you. What was your highlight of the week? I'll give Smithy as much thinking time because he's he hasn't got a lot to, uh, to sift through. So what was your <laughs> highlight of the weekend, mate?
1: Yeah, highlight for me was the Philadelphia Eagles making a statement. And we will touch on it when we talk about um, the games later on. But they... Proved this week they can win ugly. They can win different ways. Uh, the last couple of weeks have just been winning easy and um, and they've had it easy, to be honest. But um, they had a few things go against them early in this game and, and the weather certainly didn't help. Uh, but they bounced back and had a really big win. So uh, that was a highlight for me.
0: Beautiful. I like it. I'm actually going to go to... Um, High scoring is fun when it's the anomaly. So we had two games this weekend that were over 70 points combined. We had the 72-point encounter with Kansas City and Tampa. And, of course, we had the 93-point game with Seattle and Detroit, which are so fun to watch when there's other games that are defensively minded. So having them as an anomaly and not the norm, I think, was a highlight because it makes them more fun to watch. When they're not the norm, I believe they're more fun to watch. And both of those games... Geez, all fun to watch. Smithy, do you have a highlight of the weekend somehow in there?
2: Yeah, my highlight would be the international game. I think it was a really good, um, a really good game to watch, the the Vikings and the Saints. And I think they put on a really good show um, for the international audience. So it's always good when the league branches out and they get a good product out of it. So I think that was my highlight.
0: And reportedly in the next couple of years, we could be getting a LA Rams game in Sydney. And let me tell you, if you don't think that we're going to be tearing it up in Sydney when that game's come down, uh, you're kidding yourselves. Let's go to keeping ourselves accountable. And this might be where Smithy takes about a 10-minute break. But uh, Teed, nine tips right for you, my friend. Pretty solid. But the, uh, the lock, what happened to your lock, mate?
1: Yeah, well, solid nine tips. Here. It's going over fifty percent, so you'll take that. The lock. I, um, you know, I felt really confident in the Browns this this week against the Falcons, and and I guess um, you know I wasn't too high on the Falcons, but um, that was a rough one. The Browns had a couple of opportunities to win that game, and they just couldn't stop the Falcons' offense. And that kind of is funny to say. And I, I think the Browns, um, from memory, I think I haven't picked one of their games. Right, I expected them to lose week one, and they won. And then um, they impressed me. I thought they'd win week two, and they lost. And and the same thing happened week three. I picked against them, and they won. And then uh, the same thing happens there. I've picked them to win, and they've lost. So, um, yeah, it was a rough one, but probably my fault for uh, backing the Browns there. (laughs) Well, that is a real Cleveland kind of thing
0: to say. Smithy, you ended up on nine as well, and you're locked now. Here's where I feel for you, genuinely. This isn't going to be the um, the Australian backhanded compliment. Is you nailed your analysis of Detroit? The offense was looking fantastic. They're going to put up plenty of points. They're one of the most entertaining teams, entertaining teams to watch. And Seattle's defense leaks points. You got it spot on. You just missed the Geno playing like a god and the Seattle scoring forty eight points part, which is a bit stiff. Let's be honest.
2: Yeah, and I even predicted. Jared Goff's stat line, right? I said he'd have three hundred plus passing yards and four t- uh, passing touchdowns, and he had exactly that. So, look, I do consider myself quite unlucky with that one, but hey, you know that's the game we play, and sometimes it doesn't work off. It does sometimes it doesn't pay off, and we have to uh, cop that on the chin.
0: And what a game it was! And with pick three of the locks, dazzling went with Buffalo, and let me tell you, it wasn't smooth sailing. This isn't. I'm I'm happy to take the two and two in the locks, but yeah, this was a bit anxiety inducing. So it's just one of those weeks where you walk away going, all right, I got through it. It's okay. And we move forward. But the, I don't think the Ravens lost too many fans, but we'll talk about that game in a bit, but it was the tips 13. to quote, the great Anthony Hudson, in Australia, 13, Smithy shaking his head <laughs> oh, no. and I'm joining teed equal first on 37. If that doesn't tell you how broken the NFL is teed, nothing does.
1: Yeah, well, I think I had a, a nice uh, multi-tip lead before this round. And, all I mean, you got four more than me this week and we're a tie now, so that explains that. But, um, yeah, it was, it was really good from you. If you're going to get 13 or 16, that's incredible.
0: Now, Smithy, you told us that Math wasn't our man's strong suit last week, but...
1: I've been in the lab. I've fixed that one no, <laughs> worry.
0: That is a man that is improving daily.
2: He's done some... Uh... Simple math PDs at home for some Is professional that right? development. I say that
1: right? That's just... Yes. <laughs> yeah. I ahead of myself. I'm just hoping I said that right. <laughs> Six
2: no, you nailed three. it, mate. You nailed it.
0: <laughs> All right. Let's go to the certs now. Smithy, you were trailing by a handsome few. Three, it was. And you're telling me Colin got two and three. So that just means that our man just had a prime opportunity To claw back a bit of that lead, how did you go?
2: I also went two and three, and I've got some Uh, bones to pick with a few certain uh, franchises. (laughs) I
0: love the disappointment from Teed. Yes, Uh, I got. What is your grasp, my
2: friend? Well, obviously the Cowboys produced, which I was happy about, and the Raiders had a good win, so there's the two ticks. But the New York Giants ran Wildcat offense for majority of the fourth quarter because they didn't have a healthy quarterback. (laughs) And the Bears still couldn't cover the point line. So they can go in the bin. And then the Green Bay Packers were facing New England Patriots, third string quarterback. And it took all of overtime to beat them. Green Bay can go in the bin. And then the Rams lost to a quarterback who had a safety at the back of his own end zone last week. So (laughs) all three of those franchises can royally get stuffed.
0: Oh, our man is not happy. but. We live and we learn. It's only three, so it's okay. Colin ran his Colin right, Colin wrong this week. And uh, a bit like you, mate, he blamed franchises and not himself. So I'm worried you're kind of morphing into the same character at the moment. So something to work on during that is probably the,
2: the biggest insult you've given me in our <laughs> nine years of knowing each other. <laughs>
0: Well, there's just 360-degree feedback aren't just episodes, mate. They're ongoing. That's how we get better, and we do better. And TDs, TDs, how did you go, mate, this week? You've been in good form with the tipping. Your form with the locks has been questionable. Surely your form with the
1: TDs is going spectacularly. Yeah, well, we started well. We had um, Joe Mixon run one in. I think he scored the first touchdown of the first game. And, and I thought this is the week I'm going to hit five. Um, and and it was just downhill from there. We, Justin Fields um, for the Bears. I think the Bears got into the red zone four or five times and just couldn't do anything. He never even looked like getting close. Um, Dawson Knox at tight end for the Bills. He didn't really look like doing much either. Um, Thought it'd be a bigger game for him, but um, he didn't look come close to scoring. The Los Angeles Chargers defense, they forced a couple of turnovers. I thought, um, had a couple of times they were going to run them back for a score, but uh, they just couldn't get it done. Uh, but Jerry Judy did salute for the Broncos, scored a touchdown, and that's two of five, which brings me to seven and 13 for the year. Not great, but uh, could be a lot worse. The math's improving.
0: I like it. I like where <laughs> our man's Pat Smithy. If he's if he's that. If he's there, which he is, I reckon it's all uphill for our man.
2: Yeah, that was crisp. I, I, I don't want to think about how much time that took him to prepare, but it, it was <laughs> certainly crisp. Don't ask. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. Our man sweating before we jumped on, but that's the keeping ourselves accountable. Let's keep some franchises accountable. Let's get into the game reviews. And, Smithy, I don't blame you for wanting to talk about the Seahawks and the Lions because everything about this was crazy.
2: It was just a nuts game. It was an absolutely crazy game. I think it carried into the second quarter of the Panthers-Cardinals game, which was started three hours after the Lions started. So it was a marathon. Uh, Both offenses were just going up and down the field. The big play was the pick six by Tariq Woolen at the start of the third quarter. I think it was the first play of the third quarter, um, undercutting a TJ Hawkinson route and taking it back to the house. I think that was the play of the game for me. It it just sort of put Seattle back in charge of the momentum in the second half. And although the Lions' offense did all that they could to keep dragging them back into the game, the Lions just could not get a stop. Rashad Penny was running all over them. Uh, Geno Smith is looking like an upgrade on Russell Wilson at the moment, which is absolutely wild to say uh, at this point in the season, but he's been unbelievable. The Seahawks weapons, DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, they were fantastic. And they just kept moving the ball. It, it looked like death by a thousand cuts for the Detroit Lions defense. And the Detroit Lions are only the second team in history to have a top three offense after four weeks of football and have a record two games under 500, which is just it just goes to show that the offense has been absolutely bowling and this defense has a very, very long way to go before it is even competent. Um there's some people out on Twitter saying if the Detroit Lions had a bad offense, it would be a bad defense, they'd be three and one. And it's so true, but <laughs> because their defense is so tragically bad, they're unfortunately one and three. Um having dropped games scoring 35 points in week one, 24 points in week three, and then 45 points in week four. So um, the offense has been on fire. Jared Goff probably isn't getting the credit he deserves um, given the way he's played, just because they do have that one and three record. Um, He's been fantastic. And sort of like the Geno Smith thing, Jared Goff has been a better quarterback in 2022 than Matthew Stafford. So um, just crazy to think about that. And, yeah, it was a nuts game. It was a disappointing result, personally. Um, but all credit has to go to the Seahawks. They just keep making the plays when they had to to get over the line.
0: Yeah, they did. It was a fantastic result. So, T, just quickly, Detroit, they're the number one scoring offense. They're the worst scoring defense in the league that hasn't happened since the Chargers of 2011. I mean, it, it it's so easy to say... How do they improve? Just, you know, how about not conceding 48 points would be a fantastic start. But where do you see them going forward? Are they just the, the team of entertainment and let them progress? Or do you think there are real, real problems here?
1: Uh, there's certainly real problems. I, I think it's extremely hard to go a whole season continually giving up these high scores, Um. But by that same token, it's extremely hard to continue scoring that many points. So both those totals are probably going to come down. And, um, you know, it probably is harder to to keep scoring points than it is to scops, stop scoring the points as the season goes on. And, and I can see this offense dropping off. Um, not completely. They're still a good offense. They've shown that over the first four weeks. But it's the defense. It's just really an issue. You can't, um, you know, you can't score 45 points a game, have your offense score 45 points um, not a game, but in this game, and then lose the game. It's it's certainly on the defence. T- they've got talent on, on the defence. It's just not working at the moment. They are a young team and they're going to put it together. I think they will improve as the season goes on, but um, it still will be a big issue all year.
2: Aaron Glenn needs to be very, very nervous about his job as defensive coordinator, I think. Um, if, if this keeps happening, it's just not sustainable for him to stay in the job.
0: Yeah, the strategy of concede 48 points mightn't be one that keeps you in the chair. All right, Ted, let's go to you. Patriots and the Packers. Smithy talked about that the Packers need to get in the bin considering it took so long for them to get over the line.
1: But how did you see this one? Yeah, well, um, hopefully I can win back a couple of me New England fans that have uh, jumped off my bandwagon over the last year or so, and and, and fairly, fairly so. But I think um, when, you, when you talk about close losses or good losses, moral victories. There's no such thing, in my opinion, in sport, especially not the NFL. But um, I thought there's nothing but positives to come out of this game for New England. Uh, It's a tough game, Um, you know, regardless who was playing quarterback. If they had Mac Jones, a lot of people wouldn't have picked them anyway. He wasn't playing, um, and it just got tougher when Hoyer was announced the starting quarterback. Uh, It got even tougher when he left the game and you had the third-string quarterback, uh, Bailey Zapp come in and he had to play 75 percent of this game and and he looked fine um and he's a fourth round pick uh, in this year's draft i really hadn't heard of him before this game um but you know i thought uh when he came in the patriots were no chance uh just because i didn't know who he was and the fact they were on the road certainly didn't help at all Um, They didn't win, obviously, but as I said, I I thought I came away with more positives for this team than negatives. Uh, The offense looked to move the ball pretty easily, uh, especially in the second half. The run game was good, that 167 yards, five per attempt. Uh, They held Aaron Rodgers to 44 passing yards in the first half, which um, haven't done any research on that. That would nearly have to be a a career low for him um, in games where he, he completed the game. Um, and I thought Bailey Zapp, he, as he as I said, he didn't stand out, uh, but he didn't let the moment get to him, uh, and it looked fine. Uh, it's easy for a third-string quarterback, rookie quarterback, uh, nonetheless, to, to come into a game like this on the road and just fall apart and turn the ball over a couple of times. He didn't do that. Um, I thought the Patriots had a couple of opportunities to win this game. They got the ball three times with the score tied towards the end, um, and they combined those three – or those three drives they had combined – Fifteen yards and three three and out. so uh, they just didn't take the opportunity when it presented itself, um, and they just weren't good enough to get the win at the end. I thought the Packers' defense stood up. Green Bay now have the three and one record, and I feel like that is hiding certain uh, issues this team has. It's easy to look past a couple of issues when a team's sitting three and one, but um, oh, and I know good teams find ways to win, and they had to do that this game. They did it last game against the Bucks, but their offense looks clunky. Um, you know, we've spoken about their receiver depth, but they went 18 minutes and 52 seconds of game time without completing a pass in the first half. Um, and as I touched on career low for Aaron Rodgers, that's probably never happened to him before as well. So it's just things like that. This offense isn't working. Um, it will as the season goes on, but uh, I just, I feel like this Packers team just, they're not clicking at the moment. It, maybe it has something to do with that wide receiver depth, but yeah. Um, You know, we'll find out as the season moves on. But their next three games are pretty favourable. So I think uh, you might just see a little more of this before they um, turn up for the big games, I guess.
0: Yeah, I think so. And watching the Packers on offence mid, I just can't help but think that, you know, a guy like uh, Devontae Adams might be handy in their offence.
2: Yeah, it would would have been nice to have, that's for sure. Uh, Rogers looked horrific in the first half. It It was hard to watch. And the pick six... Pretty much on on the halftime buzzer really proved how bad he was in that first half. But as Teed says, sometimes all you have to do is win in the NFL and somehow the Packers are 3-1 and one with a few easy games coming up. They've been um, sort of helped out by the schedule gods, so they need to make the most of it, keep winning, and get this offense clicking.
0: Yeah. They really do. But I agree. I think the Patriots can take a lot out of this. And as a divisional rival, playing so well and losing is kind of the best thing that can happen as a Dolphins fan. But Patriots fans, I think you can be pretty happy with what's happening. Let's go to the Bills and the Ravens. Daz is up and about with this game, of course, because of the lock. But I am desperate to hear Smithy's take on this game because it was, it was kind of a roller coaster, this one, Smithy, in the 23 20 win for the Bills.
2: Absolute roller coaster. The Ravens came out like a house on fire. They caused a the turnover early on Josh Allen and really were getting anything they wanted on offense, uh, skipping out to a 20-3 lead in the middle of the second quarter. But they did not score a point for the remainder of the game. Didn't look like scoring a point really until that final offensive drive where... There's been some scrutiny on Coach Harbour about his decision to go for it on fourth down. I didn't mind the decision to go for it on fourth down, but I questioned the play call. Uh, It was a straight drop back from Lamar Jackson, not even any play action or um, sort of motion on the snap, which is odd. It sort of gives away the fact that he's going to pass, and we know that Lamar Jackson's biggest asset is his legs. So uh, in order to sort of get the game Going um, and on fourth down, try and get the defense in a vulnerable position. I thought a straight drop back was a questionable decision. Uh, if it's incomplete, the Bills have to start the drive from the two yard line. But the interception really was the worst possible outcome because it resulted in a touchback. The Bills started on the 20 and marched down the field to kick the game winning field goal. So, look. I heard, listened to the Around the NFL podcast and I think Dan Hanses nailed it when he said if the Ravens score a touchdown there and win the game, people are calling Harbour a genius for going for it and trusting his quarterback. So it really is just a, a win some, lose some sort of play. Um, you got to trust your best player and that's what Lamar Jackson is on this Ravens side. I really didn't learn much about either team, I think the bills sort of scraped by and lent on their defense in that second half. And the Ravens showed the ability to make the splash offensive play and, and stick around with the best teams, but couldn't quite get over the top. So, uh, as much as it was a really good game to watch, I don't think we can take an awful lot out of it for both sides. I think the bills are still one of the obvious favorites and the Ravens are going to be a, a pretty good AFC contender. So, um, yeah, all around pretty good game. Um, and I didn't mind the decision to go for it late there. I'm
0: curious to know from both of you boys, because you know that I like to scale a Reddit because there I just have too much time on my hands sometimes. But uh, one of my favourite NFL polls from the week was, what is the Ravens' ceiling? Where's the furthest that they can get to this year? Um, I'll let you know what the people thought first, and then I'll get your opinion. So 43% of the vote, Uh, which was of course the highest out of all the options was the second round of the playoffs. Do you guys agree?
2: That was my instinctual thought. The second round of the playoffs.
1: Uh, If we're talking ceiling, I think um, if everything seems to go right for this team, I think they can make the AFC championship game, but I do think they are a a step below um, say someone like the bills just because they, they seem to lose these games and, um, that's two big leads they've given up already in four weeks. Um, what are they, won two and lost two or something like that. So both of their losses have had really big leads um, and their defense is an issue. So um, they're two pretty pretty big issues um, as far as the football team is concerned.
0: I like it. All right, let's go to the Chiefs and the Bucs. And Teed, this has got you all over it. It was... I. <laughs> I call this game the the Twitter game. The reason's because it seemed like every time you looked up uh, at your TV, there was just something to tweet about. Chiefs Bucks was trending in the US, which I know the NFL can do at times, but it seemed like everyone was watching this game, commenting on this game. Mahomes brought the magic. Uh, Tom Brady's still a pretty good quarterback. No wonder he and Giselle are fighting because he's still producing some quality. How did you see this
1: game? Well, one thing that, just really pissed me off about this game is the fact they just kept comparing stats in this game to the, the Super Bowl, you know, a year and a half, two years ago. And it just, it's so irrelevant and just unnecessary to be honest to be comparing third down conversions from this game for the Chiefs. Um, to back then in the Super Bowl. Both these teams are completely different from that game. And it just, you know, I guess it's a it's a fun thing to have on the screen, but it just makes zero sense at all. But um, the Chiefs led this one from the start and, and they didn't look back. They recovered a fumble on the opening kickoff and they scored a touchdown two plays later, Patrick Mahomes to Travis Kelsey. Um, then they scored a touchdown on the drive after that. They scored another touchdown on the drive after that. They had a turnover on downs and then they scored another touchdown on the drive after that. So it was 28-17 to um, at halftime and the Chiefs just looked way too good offensively. It was only an 11-point lead and that's, you know, not much uh, considering what we've seen Tom Brady do in his career, but it just felt like they were playing way too good on offense, the uh, the Chiefs. Uh, The Buccaneers' defense, they had only allowed nine points a game coming into this, 127 in total on the year. Um, And as I said, The Chiefs were on 28 at halftime, and it was a big week for Tampa. They had Hurricane Ian um, that would have had a big emotional impact, but... There's, there's no way of telling whether that played um, into the performance by the Bucs or not. and You can't really speculate if it did or not, but uh, we'll find out next week, I guess, if, if this was just a one-off performance or or if there really are some issues on this Tampa defense. But I think the biggest shock for me um, was the disparity between the run games in these two teams. The Chiefs ran for 189 yards at five yards per attempt, while the Bucs uh, ran for three yards. Now, they did only have six attempts, but... Um, they, they were down from the start. They never got in position to run, but when they did, it felt like they were always going backwards. I think Leonard Fournette, out of the six attempts that the Bucks had, he might have had three or four negative runs. So um, the Chiefs really dominated there. Uh, Patrick Mahomes threw a a terrible interception late in the fourth quarter. It, it's just super unnecessary um, to, to be forcing balls when you're up. I think they were up 17 or something at the time, but... Um, there wasn't enough time for that to be costly. It, it just was you know, one of those things where you sit there and, and go, what are, you, what are you thinking? Five minutes left up 17. You, you don't throw that ball there. But, um, you know, it didn't come back to bite them and really it didn't really have a chance to. But other than that, I thought he played really well. Um, he leaned on Travis Kelsey, as he always will, and he did a good job to share the targets around on this offense. I know that was a big thing. For the Chiefs this year, they wanted to, to kind of get everyone involved and have a different guy popping up um, at different points throughout the season. Now, it turns out it's just going to be Kelsey um, and and some guy who's going to have 60 or 50 yards behind him. But um, whatever works for the Chiefs. And I think they have improved their offense, bounced back after that um, you know horrible performance last week. Uh, not just the offense, but the defense. That, that whole team, it wasn't a great game last week on the road against the Colts, but they bounced back and, you know, Another game on the road, but they came out and won this one against a good team in the Bucks and a good defence and moved the ball really well. So I think um, we can throw last week in the books and, and just kind of treat that as an, an anom- anomaly. But um, I thought the Chiefs looked really good in this one and the Bucs, uh, although they scored a lot of points, I didn't think they looked really good at all.
0: Also a shout-out to Travis Kelsey as well, who moved past uh, the Gronk to be top five in receiving yards by a tight end. Of all time, and considering I think he's only 31 years old, if he stays healthy, he could, I think, uh, on current projections, could end up as third, which would be an outstanding effort. But Smid, you weren't buying the bucks, um coming into the season. How are you feeling about that prediction and the Bucks as a whole at the end of this one?
2: Yeah, I still have the same concerns about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, but the thing they've got on their side is the NFC South is a hot pile of garbage at the moment. So um, the Saints aren't going to challenge them for the division title. The Panthers aren't. Their biggest contender is the Falcons at the moment, and geez, wouldn't that be a storyline if the Falcons won the division and made the playoffs? But oh, God. Um, yeah, I've got some serious concerns about the Bucks. I think the Chiefs' offense could nearly be better now that they don't have Tyreek Hill. And that seems crazy to say when you isolate the things that you're saying in the sentence. But they look so dynamic and so hard to stop because you don't know where the ball's going. And that's that's what's so hard for the defense at the moment against the, the Kansas City Chiefs is they have such a a wide variety of weapons that you don't know where Mahomes is going with the ball. Whereas last season, you bracket covered Tyreek Hill, so he couldn't get the deep ball and isolated Kelsey underneath. And he looked like he had nowhere to go at times. So I'm really impressed with what the chiefs have done considering they lost such a individual star.
0: And adding the fact that the DJ Moore rumors are starting to get louder and louder, it could be a frightening wide receiver room for the Chiefs let's go to the international game that Smithy was telling us about um the UK at the moment of course struck down with the passing of Queen Elizabeth II their Prime Minister already has one of the lowest approval ratings of all time so how do we cheer them up with a fantastic game of NFL football the Saints and the Vikings the Vikings getting over the line by just a field goal Smithy how'd you say it
2: yeah it was it was a really good game to watch I've Thoroughly enjoyed watching the highlights back. Obviously, the game was being aired at 12.30 a.m. in Australia, so uh, dead set the middle of the night. So wasn't going to wake up and watch it live. But uh, upon reflection, it was a really good game to watch back. And obviously, the exciting finish with the double doink, as they're calling it, with Will Lutz missing a 61-yard field goal to tie the game and send it into overtime i he heard he hit a 60 yarder the offensive possession before that so he definitely had it in him but unfortunately it just strayed to the left and double doinked off the crossbars a dramatic finish i was really looking forward to the justin jefferson versus marshall Lattimore matchup and i think justin jefferson got his got his number in the end um made a big-time catch to set up the go-ahead field goal, and he scored a touchdown, albeit on a rushing attempt. Andy Dalton played the game for the Saints in place of the injured Jameis Winston and arguably was an upgrade. Uh, The Saints' offense struggled early, but managed to move the ball up and down the field and he put them in a position to have a chance to tie the game with a beautiful completion over the middle to Chris Olave, who really is turning heads as a rookie wide receiver. He's been outstanding. Teed touched on him in our preview, and he had another really good game over in London. So he is paying the, the Saints back uh, in terms of the draft capital used on him and his production. He's been awesome. The Saints' defense finally turned up. Their pass rushes. Uh, Cam Jordan, And um, Marcus Davenport had seven quarterback hits combined. So um, they were menaces. They were coming off the edge, coming at Kirk Cousins big time. Um, But unfortunately, it wasn't enough to get over the line. The the Vikings, sort of like the Packers, it's the, the case of the NFC North teams at the moment. Somehow this Vikings team is 3-1 um, when they haven't played anywhere near their best football. They scraped over the line in this game against what isn't a great New Orleans Saints team uh, as well as just beating the Detroit Lions last week. Uh, and we know what happened in week one with the Packers. So despite not playing that great of football, they've managed to be 3-1 and one and in what I think is probably one of the worst NFC's we've ever seen Um getting these scrappy wins early could be everything towards the end of the season. So uh, well done to the Vikings. Unfortunately on a sour note for them, uh, Lewis seen broke his leg, the rookie safety from Georgia. So uh, I think he's still in London at the moment uh, as obviously it's hard to fly internationally with a broken leg. So um, yeah, best of luck to him in his recovery, but, Uh, A gutsy win by the Vikings and a a very good um, product of NFL football going overseas, which we like to see.
0: Yeah, we do. And geez, we don't want to see injuries, let alone a broken leg. Now, Teed, I would argue that there are even some Vikings fans that don't have the emotional investment in the Vikings than I do this year. But a theme I think on the show so far is with the unpredictability of the NFL is sometimes you just got to take a win and run with it. Is that how you feel about the Vikings at the moment or are you a little bit more optimistic?
1: No, I think they're doing just fine for now. Um, They're kind of winning these games. They should be winning. Um, I know they dropped a game in week two, I think. I can't really remember who that was against, but they are winning. Eagles. um, the Eagles there you go. Okay, looking back, they they probably shouldn't have won that game and is that their only loss from memory?
2: Yep, 3 and 1.
1: Okay, 3 and 1. Yeah, you, at 3 and 1, you take that. Um you win the games you can and and if you're saying they're only losses to the Eagles who are undefeated right now, um you can certainly live with that. The the Vikings just have to keep going. 3 and 1 um is a tie with the Packers for first place in the division. I think they would have it on tiebreaker right now, but um you know, they they just have to keep taking taking the weeks as they come. And I think um, the, the next time they play the Packers, that might be the one that settles the division. I know it's very early to say that. I don't know when that game is. But if they can sweep the Packers, uh, that'll go a long way to winning the division. But um, this point of the year, if you're in a position to win and, and you've got a winning record, you just got to find wins.
2: Also nice to know that Teed was listening, considering I said the Vikings were now 3-1 and one about 10 times in my little uh, spiel. So... Uh, shout out for staying on form.
0: Well, speaking oh, yeah. of three, speaking of 360-degree feedback that needs to come in, now, we're not looking forward to Teed going, Smithy, but we're excited for him. Is that a fair statement? We're looking forward oh, to the great man. But um, there is one thing that I am looking forward to when it comes to Teed leaving. It's only one small little thing, but how are we talking about the commanders every week, deep diving? This is a, <laughs> no offence to the people of Washington, well, they football team, but of all the teams that we've covered, where this is now four weeks in, we have covered six teams three times. Five of them have a winning record. The other one is Washington. I don't <laughs> understand it. Teed, explain it to me. You've got the commanders and the cowboys, and frankly, I'm sick of the buyers. It's the <sighs> NFC East. It's nothing special.
1: Well, the best division in football if we're going off records, Daz. <laughs> But um, I was intrigued by the commanders coming into the year. I, um, I'm no longer intrigued, and I picked this one more um, just because I wanted to talk about the Cowboys a little bit more. But um, they dominated this game, uh, and a lot of the talk about this game was the strength of the Cowboys' uh, defensive line against the weakness of Washington's offensive line um the big mismatch there and and the stats will probably fool you into thinking washington's o-line held up if you had take a quick look at the stats they only gave up the two sacks the cowboys are averaging five but um wentz was under pressure the entire game He was just forced to get the ball out really quick and he just was not effective he was hit 11 times um their offense committed six penalties or sorry their offensive line committed six penalties uh, for 56 yards, it killed their first three drives. Um, they had big penalties on all three of those drives that just killed their momentum. Um, and on total, they had 11 penalties for 136 yards on the day, which was a problem. Um, and a lot of the talk about the Cowboys coming into the year was um, their discipline and how many penalties they gave up in the preseason. And, and in week one, it was an issue as well. But I think they only had four penalties for 20 yards, which was really good. And if we compare offensive lines, um, I don't know... You know too much about what Washington's offensive line was predicted to be doing preseason, but not many people predicted the Cowboys to have a good offensive line, and and their offensive line is pretty good at the moment. We'll find out next week when they have to come up against Aaron Donald, but uh, that's next week. And I I think this Cowboys defense—it's extremely good. They, um, you know, they held Terry McLaurin to two catches for 15 yards, probably his career low, or it certainly is one of his lowest games of his career uh, uh sorry Carson Wentz had 27 incomplete passes in this game um, and you compare that to Cooper Rush who only had 27 pass attempts and Rush finished with 53 more yards and it just shows how ineffective the commander's passing game was um you know I touched on the said the Cowboys defense a massive improvement from last year they lead the league in touchdowns allowed per game they've only allowed one touchdown in all four games. um, And they haven't allowed more than 195 passing yards in a single game so far. So really good start for them. Um, On the other side of the ball, though, Cooper Rush, who just quietly is earning himself a nice big payday at the end of this season. I'm pretty sure he's going to be a free agent. And we've seen the amount of money that some backup quarterbacks have made in the past. I think he's in line for a nice big payday. Someone out there is going to be willing to pay him money. And And, um, you know, kudos to them if if they want to do that. But he was efficient again. uh, And this time the run game wasn't strong. Uh, It just wasn't working. They had 62, or the Cowboys had 62 rushing yards on 29 carries, which is just about as bad as you're going to get if you run the ball nearly 30 times. That's just under, maybe just over two yards per carry. But... Um, a lot of credit should go to Washington's run defense there, but it was their pass defense that was horrible. Um, I thought it was a good matchup, uh, but they were just bad. Uh, they they did only allow 217 passing yards, but they gave up way too many big plays. And that was against an offense with uh, Cooper Rush at quarterback, who had been lacking big plays in the passing game Um now, as I said, I thought that would be a strength for Washington coming into this game, being able to limit big plays from Cooper Rush, but they couldn't do it. They had two big um, defensive pass interferences that, that just extended Cowboys' drives. They had two interceptions early that were taken away from uh, defensive holding penalties. So it was penalties that killed this team on offense, penalties that killed the team on defense, and it's just hard to see where Washington go from here. They put all their eggs in the Carson Wentz basket. It's just not working um, they do have more issues than just him, but you need to get the quarterback position right. I think before you can really start making moves, and they haven't done that.
0: i will struggling with my mute button there. Um, I look, this is not confirmed, but I'm pretty sure the Panthers will play. Uh, will pay Cooper Rush 120 million for three years. It sounds like something you would do, Smith.
2: Yeah, Dave Tapper is <clears throat> licking his lips watching Cooper Rush play at the moment, and I am petrified.
1: How old is Cooper Rush? Do we know? Been in the league six or seven years, I think. So, um, you've been here in eight. yeah, 28,
0: 29. All oh, right, interesting. So, that should be just a fully guaranteed deal, Smithy, just to uh, really keep you awake at night.
1: Yeah, Deshaun
2: Watson, like, uh, just fully guaranteed, but just with not Baker his, and Darnold just, put, on the just,
0: um, hang on, just before you get to that, to all the Cooper Rush lawyers out there, we mean contract wise, not behavioral. Yes. Just contract-wise. Yeah, yeah Pure, we are not contract. implying anything, just his contract. Okay, we're not going to get sued. Uh, go on, Ted. Hey,
1: <laughs> no, I was just saying the they'll, they'll probably do that with Baker and Darnell on the payroll too. Yeah, because why not?
0: <laughs> why not? Just a, a, a franchise of great decision-making. Um, yeah. But anyway, Smithy, uh, where do you see the Cowboys at this point? Because, yes, they are in the division that's had the most wins, and they're still the most irrelevant, which is extraordinary.
2: Yeah, so I think Philly have one hand and four fingers on the division title with Dallas just clinging on by a pinky finger uh, to any chance of winning the division. But I think Philly are clearly the best team in there. Um, It's the Cowboys' defense which is going to have to carry them. Cooper Rush, he's been good. And who knows what's going to happen when Dak Prescott comes back. But um, I still think they're the two seed in this division.
0: Yeah, I think so too. Let's move on now. <laughs> now, usually there is only a pocket of very uh, loud fans at the NFL draft that boo or me. Uh, I belong to this group because I get to sit here with a straight face and ask the question how about them Jets? Called it, nailed it, perfectly done by Dazzling, but my goodness. What a performance this was! Hey, it's not quite some of the upsets of last year because Smithy did say he could see it happening, but there's no way it's happening. So you can stick that up your smid. But it was a, a good game this one, and a very good result for One Dasley.
2: I'd argue it wasn't a great game to watch, to be honest. Uh, it was, was pretty sloppy. That's the point. It, yeah, it was pretty sloppy all round, and. Um, Mitch Trubisky laid an absolute egg in the first half, which led to his inevitable benching. It was always going to happen at some point during the year. We knew that coming in, but uh, I think it probably happened a bit sooner than we all thought, considering he only got three and a half quarters, or three and a half games, sorry, into the season before being benched for Kenny Pickett. Um, he added some spark. Kenny Pickett, the the crowd got back into the game He rushed in for two touchdowns, but he also threw three interceptions in his first half of action. I've seen different thought processes on Twitter, um, which probably isn't the greatest place to go for in-depth football analysis, but here we are. A lot of people think that the interceptions weren't his fault and that um, it was of fault of the receiver, but the first one was a throw into double coverage, I think that's on the decision-making of the quarterback and the interception followed. The second one came off the hands of the receiver, but it was a really high pass. Um, If that's put in the right spot, it's a completion every day of the week. And the third one was a Hail Mary to win the game. So you can't really put that on the quarterback. But I think two of the three um, were partly the fault of the quarterback. And as someone who did not believe in Kenny Pickett during the draft process and campaigned vividly for his team not to draft him. Uh, I don't think he has quite shown anything yet. Uh, It'll be interesting to see how he goes with a full week of preparation as a starter coming into next week. So it's definitely a wait and see. But uh, I think people have overhyped his first half. Uh, He threw three incompletions, which all three were interceptions, and rushed for the two touchdowns, which is all well and good. But I think we need to see a lot more. I was quite impressed with what we saw from Zach Wilson and the Jets. Um, They were starting a fourth string left tackle, which uh, the blind side of Zach Wilson, and he has struggled with pressure in his whole career. So for him to stay pretty clean and I thought he, he played quite well. He made some mistakes, but the rust was always going to be there coming off that knee injury. So uh, I was quite impressed. I think Robert Sala coached a pretty good game and I think, the Jets winning this game was a good result for the league because the Steelers are one of those powerhouse organisations who always seem to just beat up on the little guys, um, which the Jets have been over the last 10 years. So for the Jets to go into Pittsburgh, win that game with quite a young team, young quarterback, young running back, young receivers, I think it was a really good result. And I'm happy for the Jets to win this game. I, I thought it was good to see.
0: Not a lot of credit for Dazzling, but loving the analysis. Teed, I did hear from a little birdie that the only downside for Zach Wilson is that he wasn't playing on Mother's Day. But how did you see his day? Has he he's got us? Or... Oh, he's, he's on, on mute, mute now, man. Oh, no. He's – where is he das... at?
1: There das we go. Daz does das it 100 good. times, and uh, it just catches on here. Smithy, you'll be That's... next, but –
0: no. Oh yeah, of course it's my fault. Why wouldn't it be? One <laughs> yeah, of my best dingers and Jesus just died like a lead balloon. <laughs> love it. Oh.
1: Smithy Smithy's had it best. Uh Zach Wilson was fine in his first game back. He had a receiving touchdown, uh, which was always good to see. Um I thought the Jets, you know, I didn't really give him a chance in here. Smithy, you know, I'll say it again, he touched on it. Nicely, the Steelers seem to always win games like this, and I know this is supposed to be a new Steelers team with a new quarterback, um, or now they do have an, an actual new quarterback, but, um, you know, that they've just been really, really bad. Um, they had, obviously, that week one win against the Bengals, which, looking back, now is an extremely good win. Uh, if they're playing that way, um, or if they're playing the way they are now in week one, they don't win that game, so... The the Trubisky signing for me doesn't really make sense if you're going to throw Pickett in after three games. I I know they signed Trubisky after drafting Pickett, but uh, still, and I think the timing is odd considering um, I think the Steelers' next three games are are against some really good teams and some really good defenses. So, um, not the ideal time to be putting Kenny Pickett in, but you may as well see what you've got. But um, you know, I thought the, the Jets. Played really well. I guess I'll say they played really well. Uh, They only did beat the Steelers, but not many people expected too much from the Jets before um, this game. And and I'm not sure how many people expect much from them after this game, but I didn't pick them in this game. So whenever a team comes out and wins, when I don't give them much of a shot, um, you know, they do deserve a bit of respect.
0: Yeah, spot on. So they've got the Bills, the Bucks, the Dolphins, the Eagles. That's their next month. Yeah, welcome to the NFL. Kenny Pickett. Yeah, exactly right. And that's followed by I think they're by. So yeah, that's gonna be a tough month for Kenny to associate himself into the NFL. Let's go to the last of the in-depth and we before we get into the quick fire, our under pressure and then our MVP. And uh the defensive player's not gonna get much of a look in there, but we'll talk about those in the tick. But Teed, you've got the Broncos and the Raiders, which leaves now the Texans as the only team without a win in the NFL, but what did you take out of the Raiders getting the job done over the Broncos?
1: Yeah, it was good to see the Raiders finally bounce back and, and kind of um, live up to a bit of expectation that they set on themselves in the offseason. Uh, they scored 32 points in this game, and that did include six points for a defensive touchdown, a 68-yard fumble recovery. Um, but the Broncos, I touched on in the preview, I thought they would break out of their slump here. And in the first half, it looked like they were going to do that. Uh, they scored a couple of nice touchdowns, a nice 20-yard uh, touchdown by Jerry Judy. I think Colin Sutton also had a touchdown, but it got to the second half and they just couldn't do anything. Russell Wilson scored a touchdown in the fourth quarter, um, but that was it. They scored seven points in the fourth quarter and ended up losing this game by about, what was it, nine points. But um you know it just so happened that josh jacobs had the best game he's had in a very long time um against what has been a pretty good run defense with the broncos uh 28 carries which is a lot for a running back but he um 144 yards and two touchdowns and he even got involved in the passing game which doesn't happen uh too much lately for him especially this season he hasn't been involved too often but Um, You know, it was the Broncos' run game. um, that They just couldn't get anything going. 85 yards on 20 carries. It it was Russell Wilson who was their leading rusher. Javante Williams obviously um, had a horrible knee injury and he's going to be out for the rest of the season. So that really does suck for them because that was one of their strengths um, through the first three to four games and was going to be one of their strengths for the season. But now they're going to have to rely on Melvin Gordon, who has had fumble issues in the past, I, I think um, you're going to see Mike Boone get a little bit of work and, and they'll probably bring someone else in or bring someone up from the practice squad to get involved, um, especially if Melvin Gordon is going to have issues with fumbling the football. I think four fumbles in four games is never great. So, um, you know, the Broncos sitting uh, sitting at two and two, the Raiders at one and three. You could basically, um, you know, it, it's not a big difference between records. One win's not going to kill the Raiders. They're only... Well, they're only. I think the Chiefs have got three wins. We said so. They're only two wins outside of the Chiefs in first place. So, um, it really was important for them to come and get this win. If they drop to zero and four, everyone said it. Their season's over. But they've got their first win on the board, and uh, they need to try and get that into some momentum, and, and maybe they can um, get a couple wins, just riding the momentum from this game. But uh, it really was an important win for them. And the Broncos, uh, they just they really are hard to get a gauge on. Um, and they might be in some real trouble this year if they don't smarten up.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: They do need to smarten up. And, the well, the smartening up needs to come from somewhere, Smid. So Russell Wilson's copped the brunt of it. Nathaniel Hackett seems to have escaped it for mine since week one. But am I wrong in assuming that the spotlight needs to come over him? In the last six years, we've had three NFL coaches go after their first season. Is he on the chopping block for you?
2: If the Broncos' reason for hiring Nathaniel Hackett wasn't to get Aaron Rodgers to Denver, they've done a terrible job because I think it's pretty clear that Nathaniel Hackett isn't up to coaching in the NFL. I think with coaches, you know pretty early whether they have it or not. Um, Obviously, Mark McDaniel in Miami has shown that he has definitely got the ability to be a head coach with how he's gone about the the start of the season with the Miami Dolphins. Brian Dayball in New York has done an unbelievable job in his first four games, leading a talent-deprived roster to a 3 and one start. But you look at Nathaniel Hackett in Denver, they pretty much gave him a Ferrari and he's parked it out in the street. And it, it it's pretty clear to me that he's not a good coach. And I think a lot of the criticism needs to be piled on him because – their, their defense has been humming, but they just can't get anything going on offense. And he was supposed to be the offensive guru coming over from Green Bay. And unless they did it only to get Aaron Rodgers and they're going to look elsewhere, it's been a poor hire.
0: Yeah, that's what's frightening, I think. But is anyone ready to lay claim that they're not making the playoffs? Does anyone want to write them off after week four? I will. Oh, so they're a lock to make it. I like it. All righty, <laughs> let's go quick fire style. Uh, the quick fire takeaway out of the Bengals Dolphins for me is not the result, but Tua Tagovailoa has just been through a pretty horrible uh, five weeks, uh, five days. Sorry, not five weeks. The first start of the season was spectacular, but he's now had what is commonly known now as two concussions. Although everyone, by the independent doctor. Uh, could see that given the way that he was stumbling around, it might induce a rule change in the NFL regarding taking players off automatically uh, if they are neurologically stumbling post a hit, which is going to be interesting once playoffs come. But if it's consistent, We don't have a problem. Teddy came in and he was fine at first, ended up the interception that cost the Dolphins the game. But for mine, I don't know about you boys, but as a Dolphins fan, my massive concern is that the independent doctor's been let go, basically for medical negligence, which is not what we want in the NFL at all. Two has already been ruled out. I mean, did we really need to be told that? But in this case, I'm glad that we have. And I just hope that the uh, the young man is okay and Teddy will do what Teddy does against the Jets, but, uh, Smithy, just quickly, quick fire, of course, take away from this game.
2: I was going to say your definition of quick fire is a two-and-a-half-minute ramble, but um, I'll quickly <laughs> just say that the game was hard to watch because after what happened and um, hoping that Tua can recover fully. And, um, yeah, there needs to be some serious questions asked of the process.
1: Yeah, he's not in a great mood, I mm-hmm. mean. Tate? Yeah, well, um, I thought the Dolphins... Played really well considering they were on a short week and had the injury cloud over to her and he went out um, during the first half and and they were in this game in the third quarter and I think they just gave up the last 13 points of the game, which was unfortunate. But I think um, they deserve a lot of credit for sticking with the Bengals for so long in this game when it just felt like everything was going against them coming into the game and certainly during the game. Hmm. And a shout out, T Higgins as well was dominant and the
0: Bengals were very good. Falcons, Browns. Now, T. I won't let you comment on this one because you're still filthy after your lock but smithy it was kind of a a battle of their mediocrity in this one
2: yeah i thought the browns were on track early to get a win they were moving the ball but um just a few mistakes from the browns offense cost them it's unbelievable that the falcons are winning when using kyle pitts arguably the the best tight end prospect we've seen out of college. It's a blocking tight end. Um, unbelievable. Arrow Patterson on IR now. So the running game for the Falcons might be limited.
0: Yeah, I think so. And Tade's still filthy. So we'll move through to the Colts and the Titans. Our only one that picked the Titans. So Daz has got a shit-eating grin. But, I mean, what do we make of this Colts team? <laughs>
2: No, good tip from you, Daz. Genuinely, I'm like I.
0: Oh, that was genuine. Oh, okay. That I was genuine. Yeah, I didn't think it was. That was horrible. But
2: thanks, man. Yeah, no, that was that was genuine. But the Colts, geez, what do we do with the Colts? Seriously, like that's that's what yeah.
0: I asked Teed and was waiting for his answer.
2: Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> <What>? <laughs> um,
1: it it just makes you look back on on that win they had last week against the Chiefs and. And it's just, you know, they're so fortunate to have gotten that win. Um, Otherwise, they'd be sitting at 0-2-1, or 0-3-1, actually, because there there comes me bad mass into it again. Oh, it's um, back! (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, they're really fortunate to have gotten a win, and, you know, they're only sitting one win outside of first place in that division. So I think if they're in any other division, they might be in a bit of trouble this year, but... Um, I think they are talented enough to put to put it together and and you know they might only need eight wins to win this division, so we'll see how they go. And also just quickly oh, yep
2: have we have have we seen a a larger regression from a player um Jonathan Taylor at the start of this season he's just done absolutely nothing and I yeah, he was really, out for four really yeah, and now he's injured so i I feel absolutely sorry for anyone who took him number one in fantasy in drafts yeah yeah, ankle.
0: Wow. Yeah. Yep. So that's unfortunate. And of course, <laughs> some fuckwit round the traps thought Matt Ryan would have an NBP vote. I mean, what kind of <laughs> moron would genuinely think that's going to happen?
1: Uh, she, you, technically, you didn't really have to bring that up ever again, does? Who would have That's, eight, wow.
2: that's eight milk.
1: Yeah, it, absolutely, it absolutely has. It's aged like Joan
0: Rivers' face. Uh, <clears> giants <throat> and the Bears. I mean,. Ugh, is the way I describe this game. <laughs> Smithy's shaking his head, teens giggling. <laughs> that pretty much sums it up. We could just move on from that, I think.
2: I, w- I watched a, a lot of this game because it was Why? The, one of the game. It was one of the games for my certs, and the Panthers weren't playing in the early window, and I regret it. I, I it was hard to watch. It was like watching paint dry.
1: Yeah. One thing really I. Funny. Sorry, Daz. One thing I will say about the Giants is lots of people just coming out and, and um, you know, I guess making fun of Giants fans for being excited that they're 3-1. and one. Uh, It's been a while since they have been 3-1, and one, and although I don't think, they are a good team. You can't knock fans or a team for being three and one. They've beaten who they have to beat, and uh, what do you want the fans to sit there and go, "Oh, we're three and one, but we haven't beaten anyone good." Like <laughs> it just doesn't make sense. Like um, let them enjoy their time. They're three and one. That's just about as good as you can get if you're the Giants. And who knows if if they turn into a good team as the season goes? But you know they've won two more games than they've lost, and I think the fans deserve to enjoy it, and the team certainly deserves a little bit of respect because no one picked them to start three and one.
0: Yeah, no, no one would have picked them three and one. And Smithy, the Bears, they're just they're up shit creek with no paddle. It looks like.
2: Yeah, it's one of the worst constructed rosters I've ever seen. Behind a rookie quarter, uh, a rookie deal quarterback, um, they've got so much money to spend this off season. They need upgrades all across the park.
0: Yeah. I mean, I don't think I could have put a better there. Uh, they're struggling at the moment. I'll tell you who's not struggling, and that's the Eagles who got over the Jags. I mean, I wouldn't say comfortably, but they were the better side on the day. Trevor Lawrence, his inconsistency kicked in again, Smitty.
2: I'd put a lot of it down to the conditions. Um, I think two of them, two of the fumbles that he lost out of the four were directly because of the wet ball. Um, the interception was just a really good play by James Bradbury, and... The other two came off strip sacks from Hassan Reddick, who is brutally unlucky not to get a vote in the non qb yeah. MVP. But um, the Eagles, for everyone saying that they hadn't beaten anyone or hadn't been challenged, this is the game. The Jags were up 14-0 early, rainy day, and the Eagles piled on um, 29 of the next 32 points, I'm pretty sure, to to go away and win quite comfortably. So I was really impressed with them. We said the Jags defensive line, we're going to find out if they were legit top five, they gave up 210 rushing yards. So they've still got a little bit of ways to go before they can be considered one of the elite groups in the NFL.
0: Beautiful. Uh, Tade, I'll let you discuss this game first because Smithy might need to just take a moment, but the Panthers and the Cardinals and I mean, I I am stunned that I'm the only one that picked the Cardinals there, and you lay claim this is one of the more disgusting moral things <laughs> I've heard is that you're actually blaming Smithy's speech on why you changed your tip.
1: Uh I, I know I did blame it in the in the message last night, but um, you know, I, I did have the Cardinals picked in that game, and and the way Smithy uh, previewed it, and then threw the question. I think he said, uh, do you buy my optimism, something like that. I, I just couldn't help but say yes. And he sold that game really well to me. And um, I actually thought the Panthers, after what he said, would win. And that is that is extremely my fault. But, um, you know, it is on me. My mind is easily changed. And, and he did that. And, um, you know, good on him. But they, they just, I know that the 10-point margin doesn't look bad, but they just never were in this game. And um, the Cardinals might have found a little bit of form.
0: hmm Yes, they might have. And what's interesting for mine is the Cardinals are that good team that are finding, well, decent enough team that I'm struggling to find relevance for, but I'm very relevant in what Smithy thinks is happening at his own organisation. So the floor is yours, mate.
2: Yeah, it's just not good. Um, You can fire the coach, but the quarterback play isn't going to improve. Baker Mayfield has been unbelievably disappointing to start the season after four games, he's got a QBR of 15, which
1: oh. Oh.
2: do I need, do I need to say much more?
1: It's ever gonna get. You
0: could oh, spike shit. the ball every play and get a higher QBR than that.
2: Exactly right. I think if you spike the ball every play, you get a QBR 34. of, yeah, I thought it was 30-something, yeah. 30, 30 and he's got a QBR of 15. So need I say more about that? Um, Matt Rule is 1-26 when the opposition scores 17 or more points. Oh which means that he has set an unbelievably high bar for this defense, which is awesome. And I try and pull myself up when I talk about how much I dislike this team because it's not the whole team I dislike. Our defense, I love. I love every bit of our defense. They've been unbelievable to start the season and I feel so sorry for them. And our special teams has been awesome. It's this offense. It is just brutally bad to watch. I don't rate Ben McAdoo as an offensive coordinator. I definitely don't rate Matt Rule as a coach, and I don't rate Baker Mayfield as a quarterback. We need changes at all three positions come this time next year. Otherwise, the same disastrous Panthers football is going to get rolled out.
0: Yeah, it's not good at all at Pantherland, and with DJ Moore potentially on the mood uh, on the move, it's going to be a struggle for Smithy. Although Baker's not throwing him the ball anyway, so. It could be a good change for him. The Texans and the Chargers, uh, stunningly, uh, Texans at the line was one of the top five betted on uh, lines this week. So the betting companies around the traps are flying. But, Teed the uh, the Chargers did what they had to do.
1: Yeah, um, this game was a funny game because it just felt like it was over at halftime. I think the Chargers led 27-7 to 7 and they had four scoring drives in the second quarter alone. Um, but it was all the Texans in... The second half, I think they they started the second half with three... Well, they they scored the first three scores of the second half at two touchdowns and a field goal and got within three points um, and then allowed the Chargers' offense to get going again. And Austin Eckler sealed the deal with his third touchdown of the game, I'm pretty sure. Um, And they won the game by about 10 points. But it, it was really... A gutsy performance from the Texans. They could have thrown in the towel at halftime and let the Chargers really kick on. They didn't. Um, So positives for both teams. But the Chargers, um, they're not looking like the team I thought they were in the preseason.
0: Yeah, injury's playing a factor. But are you worried about the Chargers, Smitty?
2: Yes and no. I think they got their running game back going, which is good. I think a lot of it can be determined to injury. But... If they fall too far behind the eight ball in the AFC, it's going to be hard to come back from. Uh, the only thing I took out of this game is feed Damian Pierce. Just yeah. give him the ball; he's unbelievable.
0: He is that guy. Smithy called it in the draft time, and he is spot on. Niners and the Rams to finish off. And Smithy, I was racking my brain to sum up this game, and then your message to our group chat did it best. Man, the Rams suck.
2: <laughs> yeah, I I I'm going to be honest. I haven't seen a a second of this game. And without watching any of it, I can just say that the Rams suck, that this is Super Bowl defense is going incredibly poorly. Um, and look, I might go early and tip the Dallas Cowboys next week.
0: Poor, like it. Bang. Uh, Teed, we need to give the Niners some credit. Um, they were good enough and they didn't really give up much. I mean, the Rams got a field goal. And that was the only time they laid and really looked like leading.
1: Yeah, I really enjoyed watching this game, actually. And, and I thought the 49ers' defense was incredible. Uh, they had seven sacks uh, in this game. They allowed only nine points. And it was the first time um, since Matthew Stafford joined the Rams that they didn't score a touchdown. Um, as a team, and it is the first time since 2016 that Matt Stafford's gone back-to-back games without a passing touchdown. So um, they're in a bit of a lull. Matt Stafford's in a bit of a lull. He threw an awful interception pick six at the end of the game that that just sealed it. Um, And their offense as a whole just was non-existent outside of Cooper Cup and Tyler Higby, who had 186 combined scrimmage yards of the total 293. So there really was nothing going on outside of those two um, and I said in the preview that the 49ers, they have to know that Cooper Cup's going to get a lot of the ball. And I think he had a career high in receptions in this game, just as long as no one else um, does enough to beat you. And they didn't let anyone else beat them. Their defense was really good. I thought their offense was good at times. Debo Samuel uh, showed off after the catch. Uh, I think he had nearly a hundred yards after the catch in this game. And he was... Really good uh, and capped off with that 52-yard touchdown run, which if you haven't seen is incredible. Um, But yeah, 49ers, really good win. Yeah, good win to the Niners. Reams in trouble. All right, let's go to who's
0: under pressure in week five. I don't know why it says week two in my notes. I just didn't change it. But week five (laughs) is where we're at. Uh, Smithy, who are you putting firmly under the microscope in a semi-negative way in week five?
2: If Matt Rule's still employed by week five, he's the obvious choice. And let's just throw his little quarterback buddy, Baker Mayfield, into the same conversation.
0: Right. There we go. Easy, snappy. I like it. T. I
1: I think for me, it's the Ravens. Um, they've lost two games this year and they've had pretty big leads. Now they come into a big game against a division rival in the Bengals. Um, I think they're under, they're under a bit of pressure to prove they can hang on to a lead and, and maybe win a big game. Um, so I'm looking forward to that game. It is a primetime game, I think, this Monday night football or yeah. Sunday night football, Monday so. afternoon over here. Yeah. Um, but I, I think I'm excited for that game. And I also think the Ravens are under a little bit of pressure to perform. I know we all had high hopes on them coming into the year and, and they are at 2-2, two and two, so it's not horrible for them, but they just need to prove they can, A, hang on to leads and B, win big games.
0: Doesn't need to be a big explanation for mine, but Matt Stafford for sure is the man under the pump. He's got receivers other than Cup and Higby to throw to and it's just not happening at the moment and as Tate said first time since 2016 he's had consecutive games and I think he's only done three times once and uh, I think in one of those games he got injured and had to go off the field so he is under the pump for mine let's go to the non-QB MVP and this was just an offensive masterclass smithy by three very very good players
2: Yeah, absolutely. It seemed like the week for big running back numbers. So um, it was good to see the running backs get involved. But I will give another little shout out to Hassan Reddick, who was quite unlucky not to get a shout out. But um, with the one vote, it's Josh Jacobs from the Raiders. We spoke about his ability on the ground. He had 28 carries, which is just huge for 144 yards and two touchdowns and was one of the main reasons the Raiders could get their first win. I touched on this guy earlier, but it's Rashad Penny with two votes, 17 carries for 151 yards and two touchdowns. It just seemed like whenever the Lions looked to be getting back on top of the game, they'd give the ball to Penny and he'd have a long touchdown run. He also converted the third down to end the game, so he was unstoppable. And the three votes from the same game, it's a tight end, TJ Hawkinson from the Lions, Eight catches, 179 yards and two touchdowns. Unbelievable numbers for a tight end. And um, yeah, he was one of the main reasons and one of the main targets for Jared Goff to to keep the Lions in that game. And despite their defense stinking it up big time, uh, it was great to see him dominate as he did.
0: Yeah, it absolutely was. So, Hawkinson joins. Jefferson, Hill, Tyreek, that is, of course, and Jalen Petrie on three votes. Saquon Barkley, Jalen Model, Devontae Smith, and Rashad Penny are all on two. And DeAndre Swift, Darius Slay, Khalil Herbert, and Josh Jacobs all on one. So, no one's had a repeat performance, but we're looking forward to seeing who can and separate themselves. Gentlemen, it's been a pleasure. I'm going to let Smithy sign off in his signature style, but... Uh, Teed, only one more episode, I think, until you go away, mate. So it's going to be your best and can't wait to see what math you're going to bring us in the preview. It's going to be extraordinary. But, Smithy, all yours, mate.
2: Yeah, next week, the big send-off for TD. And we are stoked for our man to get over to the United States of America. Um, it's going to be a great time for him. So Daz and I will hold down the fort. But uh, let's just say next week's the last dance. Um, can't wait Thursday. for that one. Next yeah, step. Thursday. Thursday. Thursday is the last dance, so uh, we'll get behind our man. Uh, Stick with us and listen to that episode. Make sure to like and subscribe if you haven't already, but most importantly, stay safe, everyone.